Hello everyone and welcome to From the Archives. This podcast goes back to many sermons preached over many years. We thought we'd bring them from the past here into the present so you can enjoy some of the messages that came before. Take a listen to what we have tonight. All right, church, we are talking tonight about a tragic victory. A tragic victory. We saw in the last couple episodes of the life of Jephthah that he was an outcast. He was cast away because he was the son of another woman. He was the son of a prostitute. Uh, His own brothers drove him out, and yet he went and dwelt in a land where he became a mighty warrior. And when times were hard, they went to him and said, please come and lead us. Come and be the general of our armies. He said, no, I don't think so. They said, okay, come be our king. Come and lead us. And he said, okay, I will be your king. If the Lord delivers the enemy into my hands. Then what happened? He sent a letter to the Ammonites. He said, what is your problem with me? Why are you attacking my land? Since I'm now the ruler, I'm now the king. Why are you coming against me? And they said, you've stolen from us. What did Jephthah say? I haven't taken anything from you. We came up from the land of Egypt. We asked for a simple passage and your rulers would not let us go. Sihon opposed us and we took his land. Now true, long before that, he had taken your land. But I didn't take anything from you. I took it from my enemies. So why are you going to fight against me? If my God has given me this land, you've got no claim on it. If you want it, you pray to your gods and they'll give it to you. Of course, the king of the Ammonites did not listen. That's where we take up tonight. Judges chapter 11, verse 29 through 33. Judges 29 through 33. When we are talking about a tragic victory, when we are considering doing something in our life, we have to, one, consider your words. Whenever you do something, whenever you go forward, consider your words carefully, especially when you say them to the Lord. Here's what the Word of God says tonight. Then the Spirit of Yahweh was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed on to the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a unto Yahweh and said if you will give the Ammonites into my hand then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites that shall be Yahweh's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering so Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them and the Lord gave them into his hand and he struck them from a roar to the neighborhood of Meneth 20 cities and as far as Abel Kiramin with a great blow so the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. Amen. That's what I like to see. A man who put his faith in God. But I want you to notice, like all people, sometimes we get a little carried away with what we say when we pray. Have you ever had a situation in your life, church, when you're in a bad situation? Something's going terribly wrong. And you just think, man, I know God has promised to guide me. I know God has promised to lead me. I mean, I've been through the Psalms. I've been through all the promises of Jesus. But I'm just not feeling that that's enough. You ever make a foxhole promise to God? And those of you who served in the military, you ever get in that foxhole and the shells are coming down your head and you're going to promise God anything if he'll just get you out of that foxhole. Lord, I swear... 
if you get me out of this fight, I'm going to become a priest. Like Bean Cosby in them old movies. I'm going to wear that black collar, walk around singing to people. You know how many people made foxhole confessions to become priests and never did? If all those guys became priests, there wouldn't be no people left in America. <laughs> We'd all be in the Catholic Church wearing black. Seriously. Because people will say anything when they are panicked. When they're panicked, they don't think. Take a look at this tonight, church. Consider your words. Verse 30 says this. It says, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand. Now, why did he say that? Jephthah, of course, is realizing the importance of having Yahweh's permission to take what he's going to take. Remember last week, he said, it is Yahweh who has given us this land. It is Yahweh who led us in. It is Yahweh's hand that has provided this for us. So that's what he did. He was relying on him. But here again, he goes, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand. Did Jephthah have a doubt as to God's ability to deliver? No. Did Jephthah perhaps doubt himself or did he doubt his own wisdom in going forward? Let me ask you, church, have you ever taken a leap of faith? Have you ever looked at a decision that was life-altering? I mean a life-altering decision where you know that as soon as you take this step, there is no way back. I mean, when you got down your knee and proposed to that young girl in front of you and said, will you marry me? The instant she says, I will, it's over. There's no backing out. There's no running away. That's why we have shotgun weddings. That's why the father of the bride walks you down with a 12 gauge in your back so you don't get cold feet. Do you realize that the best man's original job was to make sure that the groom did not chicken out? That was his job, was to make sure that the groom did not look at that woman, look at that altar, look at the cross of God, and run screaming into the night. Because everybody gets afraid. You know, everybody asks me, when you, when you married Marilyn, were you afraid? Oh, heck no. I was like, can we get this thing over with? I ran, ran down to the front, you know? And then when she came in the back, I wasn't wanting to run. I was crying like a baby. Like, oh, there's because my wife, you know? Of course, I was an old man when she married me. So I got past all that cold feet stuff. I was, I was too old to worry about it. If you will give the MS into my hand, why is he talking to God this way? Because of the next verse. Whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me shall be Yahweh's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now, of course, we know he's talking about an animal. We know he's talking about making a sacrifice. He says, Lord, if you bring my prize bull out, the one that's worth so much gold that I can, I can live forever on it. Lord, if you bring out that prize bull, I'm going to sacrifice that. Lord, if you bring out my finest sheep, if you bring out my finest cattle, Lord, whatever you bring out, I am going to give that to you. Now, the interesting thing is, if you go back and look at uh, the, way it's, the way it's worded, it's implying an animal. However, he doesn't use the words specific to an animal. It means anything that comes out of my door. It means whoever or whatever. This is where we have to be careful. Because sometimes we say, God, whatever you do is okay with me. Here we go again. Originally, the people of Gilead had sinned against God. And they said, Lord, you do to us whatever you think is right. But please save us today. And I told you to be careful with that kind of prayer. Lord, save us, but whatever you choose to do in addition to that, it's okay with us. When you give God that kind of permission, you can be sure God is going to do something interesting. 
with that, with that kind of open door. If you look at it, he was thinking about Deuteronomy. Now, if you have it, it's not going to be on the screen, but it's going to be right here. I want you to listen to it. Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23 covers the making of vows to God. And it's very specific and it's a very careful warning. And if Jephthah had reviewed the law of God, if he had read these verses, he might have spoken more carefully when he promised to do and give God anything that came out. This is Deuteronomy 23:21. If you make a vow to Yahweh your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For Yahweh your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. Understand, if you make a promise to God, you have to fulfill it. However, there's nothing that says you must make a deal with God. There's nothing to say that you have to vow. Verse 23 says this, You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed unto Yahweh your God what you have promised with your mouth. This is the understanding that the Jews had. God does not require you to make promises for His grace. Amen? How many people have stood at the front of a church and said, Lord, save me. If you save me, I, I promise I'll stop swearing, stop drinking, stop gambling. I'll stop doing all this stuff. Lord, just save me. Does he require us to say all that? No. Lord, if, if you just save me from my sin, I, I, I'll marry that girl I've been living with for 20 years. And I, I'll start going to church. I'll become a deacon. I'll become... I know a guy once that said, Lord, if you will leave me alone, I'll become a pastor. He did become a pastor. He became a great pastor. The problem was he wasn't saved. Not until like 10 years later in the pulpit of his huge church did he one day while reading the scripture stop and say to the congregation, my God, I am not saved. And the congregation stopped. This guy had baptized their children. He had led people to Jesus. He had done these great things. But you know, God can speak through a donkey. Amen? This man had made a deal. God, if you leave me alone, quit pestering my heart, I'll become a preacher. He did. God used him, and 10 years after he went in the ministry, he got saved. And from that moment on, his ministry was transformed. And no, it's not me. So quit looking like that. Okay, here we go. Be careful what you promise. You don't have to buy God's grace. You don't have to buy God's love. You, if, you, if you're in trouble tonight... If you're in trouble financially, if your marriage is in trouble, if your kids are in trouble, you don't got to make a promise to God in order for God to step in. The Lord knows what we need, and He is more than willing to save us if we say, Lord, save us. The people of Gilead said, Lord, whatever you choose to do, do it. We're guilty, but save us. So the Lord did it. He brought back the person they had cast out. The person they had rejected, he brought back to save them. And he made him their king. They should never have made that promise to the Lord. They should have said, Lord, save me. They should have stopped right there. But just like them, Jephthah makes a terrible, terrible mistake. Notice how it finishes right here. Verse 32, the Lord gave them into his hand. The Lord gave them into his hand. You see, is it because Jephthah promised the Lord that the Lord gave him victory? No. God was going to give him victory anyways. But somehow Jephthah thought, if I make this promise, if I, if, I, if I go do all these religious things, if I go make all these sacrifices, God's going to have to bless me. It don't work that way. God blesses you anyways. 
God loves you. He gave His Son for you. You don't have to do anything to win His approval. The people of Gilead did not know that and they got Jephthah for a king. Jephthah didn't realize that God didn't need a promise. He didn't need a vow. God had brought him here to do that and it was going to cost him everything. Let's press on tonight. Let's press on. Judges 11. Judges 11, 34 through 38. Not only do we have to consider our words, we must consider the cost to others. When we speak rashly before the Lord, it will cost us, but at the same time, it will also cost others. I want you to listen to the word of God. Then Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to Yahweh, and I cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth unto the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, now that Yahweh has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. So she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Leave me alone two months, that I may go up and down on the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. He said to her, Go. Then he sent her away for two months, and she departed. She and her companions, and wept for her virginity on the mountains. Crazy, crazy twist of fate. How could Jephthah have known that when he made this spontaneous promise to God, this uncalled for, unrequired promise, that it was going to backfire on him in such a terrible way? Remember we just read Deuteronomy. Once it came out of his mouth, he had to back it up. God never required it. What I want you to understand about the book of Judges is this. Everyone looks at Judges and goes, that's so horrible. That's so terrible. How is God lifting up these people as an example? He's not. The book of Judges is descriptive. It is not prescriptive. You understand? It is not telling us what we should do. It is telling us what was done. There were many people in the book of Judges who made horrible, horrible mistakes. They did terrible things that God did not want them to do, but God recorded their story so that we would be warned. Let's consider the cost to others. First, verse 34. Behold, his daughter came out to meet him. She was his only child. Now remember in Hebrew culture, when you had one child, that child was the inheritor of your property in the promised land. They were now in Canaan. They had now settled the promised land. Every man was given a portion of that land as a possession. He would pass it along to his sons first, if not his sons, then his daughters. If he had neither sons nor daughters, the land would be absorbed by his close relatives and his name would perish from the history of Israel forever. There was no greater loss for a Hebrew man at this time than to have his lineage wiped out. It was the greatest loss that anyone could suffer. And when he saw his daughter come out, he realized the rashness of his words because here was his future. Here was his heritage and she would have to be extinguished from the earth because of something that he said, not because of something that God required. I want you to consider this. Verse 35, he said, I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot take back my vow. I cannot take back my vow. 
I want you to consider something. What did he vow to do? He vowed to sacrifice in a burnt offering whatever came out of his house. Now I know what you're thinking. You can't do that because of Deuteronomy 12, 31 and 32. Very good answer. Deuteronomy 12, 31, 32 forbids him from doing what he's about to do. Listen to this. You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way for every abominable thing that Yahweh hates they have done for their gods. Talking about the Canaanites, those who dwelt in the land ahead of them. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. That's what a burnt offering is. God never required a burnt offering of human beings. He forbids it. Verse 32. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take away from it. There's the thing in Deuteronomy. It seals the law of God. He has said you must never sacrifice your children as a burnt offering. Because that is what the Canaanites did and that is why I hated and detested them. So right now we have a problem. Jephthah has promised to do something rashly, foolishly, yet Yahweh himself has forbidden him from doing it. Wow! How do you solve this dilemma? Well, let me show you how you solve it. Look at verse 37. She said, let this thing be done for me, yet leave me alone two months that I may go and weep for my virginity. Talk about a weird request. Your dad is going to slit your throat, throw you on a bunch of wood, and burn you. And you're worried about not getting married and having kids. Why is that a problem? I'll tell you why it's a problem. Because there was no greater fate that a Hebrew woman could suffer than to never know marriage and never bear children. Because it was in the mind of the Hebrew women of that day that they lived on in their children. That their memory would go on in their children. And if a woman did not bear children, if she died before that point, it was considered the most catastrophic loss of all. That's how they thought. So it was not really unusual that she would want to go into the mountains with her friends, her closest friends, for two months and weep because she would never be able to get married. She would never be able to have children. She would never have anyone live on after her. Now it's interesting that he grants her request. Why? Because of the last passage we read at the beginning. If you've made a vow to the Lord, do not delay fulfilling it. If he was going to truly fulfill this commandment, he had to take his daughter that day, lay her on the stakes, even as Abraham laid Isaac. He had to take that knife. He had to cut her throat from ear to ear, bleed her out so she wouldn't suffer. Then he had to set fire to her and offer her a sacrifice. If that's what he was going to do. You see, that's why you must consider the cost to others. Here's the thing, church. When we as parents, as mothers and fathers, when we make promises to God about what we're going to do to try and win his favor, it's going to cost us. Gentlemen, we should be careful what we promise God we're going to do. We should be careful that what we do is really what God requires. Because sometimes uh, some pastors, some churches, some Bible leaders, they lay religion on you. And they say, if you really love God, you would do this and this and this and this. But does God require that of us? Usually no. Who requires that of us? The religious leader who's talking to us. He's trying to get us to do something to prove that we love God. And God says what? If you love me, keep my commandments. By all this will all men know that you love me, that you love one another. So all these things that religious leaders call us to do, 
that churches and denominations and sectarian people, the things they call us to do, have nothing to do with being obedient to God. What are they doing? They're doing witchcraft. They're trying to force God into obeying their desires and giving them what they want. It's very, very dangerous. We live in a day and age when churches are filled with perversion. And that's why I tell you and will tell you to the day I die, don't ever trust me. Don't ever trust this church. Don't ever trust a pastor in this church. Trust the word of God. If I say it, take it home, read it, get a good study Bible, make sure I've done the history correctly, make sure that's what the word of God says, and then do it because God requires it, not because some fool tells you you should do it to win God's favor. You can't win God's favor. You can only live out God's favor. Can I get amen from somebody? Okay. You must consider carefully what you do and the cost it will have on your wife or your husband or your children. Religion is a very costly, expensive thing. That's why God says shun it and go for faith. Finally, let's finish it up. Here we go. Judges 11, the last two verses, 39 and 40. When you said it, you need to pay your debt. Here's the last two verses and we're done for tonight. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow that he had made. She had never known a man. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in the year. That's what happened because of her faithfulness to her father's wish. All right, let's take a look at this. Verse 39. At the end of two months, she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow. What had he vowed? What he had vowed was that he would take his daughter, slit her throat, set her body on fire, make it a sacrifice to God. Yet God said, you can't do that. Now, many people say, you know what? Uh, these were evil times. Jephthah probably didn't know that human sacrifice was against the will of Yahweh. But wait a second. When the king of the Ammonites opposed him and said, you stole our land, Jephthah showed an amazing knowledge of the history of Israel. Where did Israel get its history? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If he knew the history of Israel, he knew that God forbid human sacrifice. So he's in a dilemma. What do I do? Here's the thing, church. You make a vow to God in a moment of fear and panic. You say something stupid. Now that for me would not be uncommon. For you it might be. But I commonly say things that are stupid in moments of panic. When you realize that you have said something inappropriate in the presence of God, is there a way to deal with that? Yes. What is it called? Repentance. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, that we've spoken too hastily, we've said a thing that is wrong, we've made a promise that isn't right before the Lord, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin, cleanse us of that unrighteousness. And there were ways, there were offerings that Jephthah could give in the place of his daughter because it was against the law to kill your own children and burn them alive in the fire. So, what did he really do? Look at the last part. It became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in the year. Now, let's consider this very carefully. There's two ways you can look at what Jephthah did. It does not say that Jephthah took his daughter, he cut her throat, and he burned her on the fire. He didn't say that. It says he kept his vow. Now, if his vow was to give her as an offering to the Lord, and if the Lord forbids human sacrifice... 
There are many who make the case that what he did is when she returned from her two months, the reason why it says she lamented her virginity is he put her into a situation where she was a servant of God among the Levites where she would live out the rest of her life in complete chastity. She would never be allowed to marry. She would be a servant as the old women who served before the Lord in the tabernacle. She would never be allowed to marry. She would never be allowed to have children. She would consecrate the remainder of her life to the Lord. There are many who say that that's not possible. Many who think that literally he took her, he killed her, he burned her. I wasn't there, just in case you were wondering. I don't know. Part of me wants to believe that Jephthah had enough biblical knowledge to know that he had sinned against God by making such a rash vow and that he had given his daughter to eternal service in the temple where she would never know a man, she would never know a childbirth. And that's why it mentions it again, that she was a virgin until the time he took her and dedicated her. So if you choose to believe that he slit her throat and, and lit her body on fire, you have good, sound, biblical reasons for believing that. But you know, a good lesson for us is this. When you've made a stupid vow to the Lord, you can be forgiven. When you say something to the Lord and you don't keep it, Lord, I promise I'll be more faithful. Lord, I'll read the word. Lord, I'll tithe. Lord, I'll be a better person. And you're not a better person. God can forgive us. The sacrificial system was built so that man could be forgiven for his sins before the coming of Christ. And now after the coming of Christ, we have his blood which covers our sins. As you walk out of here tonight, I have to ask you a question. And that's what have you done? What have you done? First question, have you made any vows to God that you have not kept? Look back over the last year of your life. Maybe you got into hard places. You, you faced hard situations. You say, God, if you will just get me out of this, I will fill in the blank. Have you made those types of promises this year or the last three years or the last five years? See, here's the thing. If you made that kind of promise, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you right now you made the promise and you know you need to fulfill it. Second question. Have you confessed the ones that were wrong? Have you confessed to God those vows that you made that were wrong, that you should never have made? Those foxhole conversions, the promise to be a priest. Lord, if you just get me out of this fight, I swear I'll do A, B, and C. Things that he never asked you to promise. Things he never asked you to do. Have you said, Father, forgive me for making these rash promises, for trying to manipulate you into giving me more blessings? A lot of people do what they do in church to manipulate God into blessing them. Here's the thing, people. God don't manipulate. Ladies, you control your husbands. God bless you for the skill. Gentlemen, we allow our wives to think they are running the house. God bless us. Okay, we all have that thing going on. But at the end of days, we need to be honest with the Lord that there's some things that we're doing to try and manipulate Him. And He doesn't change. His plans don't change. He is going to bless you because He loves you. When you are faithful, when you uphold what Christ is doing in your life, when you seek forgiveness, He is faithful to give you forgiveness. So if you've made some rash vows that were wrong, wrong intentions, wrong motives, have you confessed them? Have you got rid of them? And finally, now will you keep the ones that were right? Maybe you've made a promise that said, you know what? I am going to be a better person. I am going to give the Lord more of my time. I am going to start tithing. I am going to start making an effort to read that Bible every day. And I'm going to make an effort to teach it to my children or my grandchildren or my Sunday school class. You know, I promised I was going to go to the Philippines on that mission trip. And for 10 years, Carl, I've been promising I was going to go and I haven't gone yet. Maybe it's time to go. 
Maybe it's time to follow through on that promise to do what you told God you were going to do. Not because you were trying to manipulate him, but because you genuinely knew God wanted you to do something above and beyond the call of duty. Those promises we have to keep. Those vows we have to keep to the Lord. The ones that are bad, we need to confess them, get rid of the guilt that we're living under, and we need to be able to move on. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Thank you for joining us today in the archives. I am your host, Richard Stidham. Remember that we are a listener-supported ministry here, and if you would like to contribute in any way to keeping this message on the air, you can send any gifts to Richard Stidham, 1321 Baytown, Texas, 77521. That's P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. God bless and we'll see you again in the archives.